I'm Dan Man. Yeah, um, I am a spoken word artist, poet, graphic designer, videographer. I'm just an all-round creative individual. Yeah. I started writing because obviously I'm not a stranger to writing. Yeah. But I realised I'm writing without a beat in the back. I'm silent screams. I can't remember the year, but it was. That's when I realised it was letter to a black woman that um, I penned for the CD for the album, and that to this day is a lot of people's favourites. Yeah. It was the response from that that made me know something i used to have insecure moments or i used to care too much about yeah. what people think and i still have moments where i slip and I, I relapse and i do and i start to care what people think yeah but a lot of the time i put myself in a place where i don't care what people think like these people who um these people who i'm thinking care or have something to say in my, in my everyday circle when you let go of your ego you're able to kind of have a different perspective and realize that my testimony as such is going to inspire or help the next yeah. person do you know what I mean today we've got um a multi-talented person joining us for um our upfront concert and it's a um a long time friend a long time friend but um for the viewers who don't know who you are I'll let you introduce yourself who are you and what do you do what's going on people um I'm Dan Man. Yeah, um, I am a spoken word artist, poet, graphic designer, videographer. I'm just an all-round creative individual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. So you know what, Dan Man, we've been um, wanting to have this discussion for quite some time. True. Quite some time. You you came on our first episode on upfront um, discussions, and um, we had a deep conversation. It was just the audio at that point. So we've grew, we've grew a little bit. And we've, we've got this set up and you are going to be performing for us today, performing some pieces. But before we get into the into the pieces, mm -hmm. right, I want to um, talk a little bit about about the journey, because for me, you didn't always start out as um, spoken word. No. So what was it before spoken word came into play? Well, you know, but many won't know that um, before the spoken word and poetry, it was actually Esquad. Yeah. Esquad um, is a, uh, well, a family collective. My brothers and my cousins are all blood related. And we just kind of, we wasn't actually a group, but we came together because we all listened to hip hop. So we decided to just pull together and see how much noise we can make. And it was a, it was an interesting, it was a good ride. You were there for it as well. Yeah. So it was, yeah. it was fun, man. It was fun. My role, um, of Esquad was um, I was a producer so I like to play the background a lot I was comfortable in the background and then a couple of years into it I started to rap these yeah. guys kind of pushed me forward a bit yeah. they knew what I could do but I was like oh, I'm too shy for this it's not really my thing do you know what I mean so they pushed me forward into the limelight and um, I realised I can actually write bars on the rest yeah. but I always knew I didn't feel that comfortable up front because I was okay helping the machine run from the back. That was my yeah. position, you know what I mean? So I was happy playing my position. Yeah. And do you know what? It's interesting you're saying that, right? And I think that, what you've just said, that's why Esquad was so successful when you was, and you had such an impact because it's rare to find people that say, I will play my position. Because you know, when you have a collective of people, everyone wants to be in the front. Oh, 
good thing about it is we knew each other. We were all literally brothers, you know what I mean? So we, we looked at everybody's strengths. For instance, Meeks, his strength was that charismatic kind of upfront kind of... Basically, people knew Esquad because of Meeks. And we were okay with knowing, like, he's the, he's the net. He would draw people in and then people get to see what Esquad is about. But we knew that that was his position. That was his strong point. He could network and liaise with people, so... Like fourth, he was the deep guy that had the knowledge and he had beats and all that as well. So you know, if you want a particular beat that's got a particular substance, you're gonna go to fourth because he's gonna he's gonna create that. Yeah. If you wanted something that was more up tempo or, or emotive, yeah. you go to Twins because yeah. they've got a whole range of. They were like the premier producers, to be fair, but mm. everybody was kind of notches under them. Yeah. But everybody had their own kind of sound, like. Uh, Zeke's and production if you wanted that kind of let's say that aggy kind of dark gritty kind of sound you would say let me see what you got and you'd probably hear something from him do you know what I mean yeah me, I was just I can't really say I, I had a lane I was just trying a bit of everything yeah yeah, yeah. So that was it really everybody had their, their their thing yeah but then together it was kind of like it was just mad it was just exciting yeah exciting. And also as well, because before we go onto the spoken words, mm -hmm. you had that creative, you've always been creative, right? Because with the visuals, and it was interesting to me when we spoke before, you said that you was just trying a thing, right? And you was just doing it. From the outside, it didn't look like that, okay. if I'm totally honest. But how, where did all that creativity come into? When did you start realizing that? Okay, then I could do the graphic designing and, and so forth. You know what? Um, I think I realised I had a knack for graphic design. I didn't know it as graphic design then. I knew it as desktop publishing then, you know what I mean? Yeah. When I was like 13, maybe 40. When I was in St. John War School, I realised in technology, through technology, I realised I like graphic design, but they didn't do any graphic design. Yeah. So I had to then kind of, from my parents... One of them they bought me a computer, so I had a bug standard PC. I would kind of eke out and try and teach myself graphic design and the rest, or desktop publishing at the time. And then yeah. over the years, you know, family would ask me to do invitations, flyers, and then word of mouth, I started to do other stuff. I started to do flyers, then I started to do logos. I even did one for in the yeah. show video. Yeah, and yeah, we still got that, you know. You know what, I found it the other day, I found it. It was like, oh, that's a classic. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I used to do the work, but I was never really, really happy with the work because I always felt like I can do better, but I just don't know how. Yeah. I understand it's a process. So years later, um, I ended up getting a couple of jobs doing graphic design and yeah. started doing it as freelancing and then realised, oh, I'm actually getting better. And yeah. I found myself doing artwork for a vast majority of, uh, not majority, a vast amount of people around the way and outside the way, do you know what I mean? So yeah. it just kind of, organically took off by itself yeah so then um i realized after a while it's, it's becoming saturated everybody's doing graphic design everybody's doing edits or whatever they used to call them so yeah. i thought i need to kind of add something else to the repertoire so i then got a camera started doing a bit of videography yeah so i'm still i'm still learning today to do videography but i always thought i need to kind of offer something more than just a graphic design because i can do graphic design with my eyes closed you know what I mean? yeah so can everybody else. So yeah. Just trying to keep keep it fresh and just trying to better myself, be better at what I do, yeah. you know what I mean? 
Yeah. But it's all self-talk. Be very modest and humble with it, man, because you know what, right? Are you behind, right, all those graphics, like the video behind the twins stuff? Like some of the aerial stuff and... Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, not all of them, no. I have to give the, the twins their credit. They, um, this is why I respect them, because they was like, they used to say to me before, like they asked me to do videography or graphic design, and sometimes I know I would take long just because I'm doing other stuff as well. Yeah. So proactively they asked me to help them out and kind of show them the ropes as such. Yeah. and then they started doing a lot of stuff themselves like they, a lot of their artwork and that they're doing now yeah itself, they've got themselves a drone so they're very kind of self-sufficient yeah but i have been responsible for a lot of their videos and that as well not all of them not all of them but a lot of them yeah because i see you in the background i'm not gonna lie <laughs> see you with your video right moving around with it under i don't know what you call it the, the live yeah, them, them arm things as well. Oh, the so gimbal, the gimbal. The thing. gimbal, so I see you moving around with the gimbal as well in the background, so I know I know some of it's coming from coming from your I love playing the background, but the thing is I will always use my talents or services to support them because I believe in their twin same fitness thing. I believe in it from, from the start, you know what I mean? Yeah. I see the organic growth of it, so anything I can do to support them, whether it's me getting my hands um, dirty or getting involved in other ways, yeah. That's my thing because I believe proud of those guys and uh, fully believe in them as well. So Yeah, I, re I respect them a lot, man. I respect the whole of the Esquad family to be fair. I just like how you all move. I really like how you all move. Very, very tight knit family. I give credit to my granddad for that because Mr. Simpson always promoted that, do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. to say that you don't need nobody else, you, you've got each other. I know that isn't entirely true, but I understand the sentiment of what he was saying. So he just yeah. the concept of trying to stick together as close as possible yeah i want to go on right spoken word okay right but when did you how did that passion come when did you realize that you know you've got a talent in doing spoken words and what what's inspired you to take that move well the writing part of it being a part of Esquad, like i always used to write but i was always apprehensive and a bit to come forward, I didn't like how I sounded. I think I said that before. I yeah. had to kind of grow into my voice because I would always cringe. To this day, I still cringe in that as well. I'm not gonna lie. But um, I was always writing anyway. I used to have these big folders of lyrics and bars that no one's even heard. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just used to have them there. And then um, this is outside of the the rapping the Esquad days. We were supporting Nathan Dennis on his um, shout out to Nathan Dennis and the Frisco Legacy team. Um, we was supporting their Silent Screams program. Okay. And um, they created an album that was going into the community and into the prisons. And it was like motivational kind of tracks from artists from from Birmingham. There was, there's too many artists to mention, but there was a lot of um, local artists on this particular album. Yeah. Now, um, everybody um, the, in the meeting, everybody was tasked with a topic to produce something on. Some people did raps and the rest. And I was like, I don't rap anymore, but I still want to do something. Yeah. So then something just for, just write a, write a poem. And I, I think I selected the the topic, relationships. Yeah. I think, I don't know if that was intentional or subconscious, but at the time I was going through my own, uh, what's the word? Trials and tribulations, uh, yeah. relationship-wise and the rest. So um, that, that was easy for me to kind of touch on that topic. Yeah. And then 
just happened. Yeah. I started writing because obviously I'm not a stranger to writing. Yeah. But I realized I'm writing without a beat in the back. Yeah. But that way I was able to kind of you can get more intimate and more authentic. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was that was the time silent screams. I can't remember the year, but it was that's when I realized it was listened to a black woman that um I penned for the CD for the album and that to this day is a lot of people's favourites. Yeah. It was the response from that that made me know I've got something. Yeah. That people can resonate with something authentic. Yeah. And you know, because you touched on it, right, it's, um, you know, with men, mm-hmm. right, because I think when I listen to your pieces, right, you see the vulnerability, right, with rap, with rap, okay, people rap, yep. and you hear it, and you don't, it's about what's going on, sometimes it goes over your head, it's right, a lot. Yeah, it, it does go over your head. The beats as well, sometimes you're in tune with the beats. But with your pieces, although some of them's got beats to it, they really touch the core soul, right? What's your thoughts on that in terms of, because men, as men, right, we don't show our vulnerability, but how did you get the confidence to pull it out there? Because it's not, it, it may be easy for you now, Right, but that's not easy what you're doing. You know what? I didn't overly, overly deep it, but you are right, it's not easy because sometimes I'm like, yo, this is kind of... Like when Letter to a Black Woman came out, for instance, a lot of people thought I was directly talking about what's happening in my home or wherever I'm at, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Some of it was, but a lot of it wasn't. But it's it's observations and it's perspectives of people around me and I mean growing up. So to answer your question... Um, how do I deal with, you know what, how I deal with it, I just don't care, bro. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I used to care, I used to be, I used to have insecure moments or I used to care too much about yeah. what people think and I still have moments where I slip and I, I relapse and I do it and I start to care what people think. Yeah. But a lot of the time I put myself in a place where I don't care what people think. Like, these people who I'm, these people who I'm thinking care or have something to say, in my everyday circle yeah don't pay my bills don't feed my door they don't feed me yeah like, it doesn't matter do you know what i mean yeah and then um outside of that it's i chose to let go of the ego yeah when you let go of your ego you're able to kind of have a different perspective and realize that my testimony as such is going to inspire or help the next yeah. person do you know what i mean yeah and i'm thinking about all the young people under me yeah all of the young youths who probably have something to say or have feelings or have whatever but they're too scared but this hyper masculinity that we have in society yeah they're too scared to to show who they are yeah i'm yeah. not scared to show who i am i'm not scared to embarrass myself or make myself look full if it's gonna help yeah and more importantly i have a daughter watching me as well do you know what I mean? yeah and the more she grows up the more i'm realizing how intently she's watching me when she is she yeah. probably don't care what i'm doing all the time but when she's watching me she's paying attention to you know? yeah Yeah. It's just about believing who you, believing in who you are and believing your own source because a lot of the times I still don't have people around me that have to sometimes remind me of who I am as such because sometimes it's easy to forget. Yeah. It's easy to get caught up in the ego. So for me, I just just don't care. And that ego thing, right, it's big, mm-hmm. right? And I'm glad I'm 
really glad you said that because that you know when you've got ego i personally think it impacts on your mental health as well because that ego right can get you in trouble lucky blessings it can yeah all kinds of stuff bro yeah pride in it so pride can stop you from from going forward from happiness from, from receiving love from giving love it's it's all ego in it so yeah and, and what projects, because I know that you've involved in a lot of projects, right? And we've spoken offline. And I like some of the stuff that you're, well, the direction of travel. Yep. So what are some of the projects that you, you're involved in, especially around the mental health? Okay, so um, I'll start. Okay, outside of the mental health, I mean, a lot of the projects that I'm involved in, they've all kind of somehow spiraled after the previous project. Yeah. So before any of the mental health ones, um, I did a spoken word piece for um, an organisation called Jabali. They have a network of black and Asian doctors and professionals, like okay. high earning um, in the, the high earning brackets. Yeah. Um, I was at an event that was courtesy of Nathan Dennis and Fritz Class again. Yeah. And, um, basically, ended up interacting with them. Ended up. Um, striking, developing a relationship with them and um, ended up doing some spoken word piece and there was talk about doing creative workshops as well yeah. where, like they commissioned me to do a piece that showed the world who they are and what their organisation is about which is about trying to encourage inner city um, black and Asian youth to join the NHS and be a part of the NHS and be a part of like, their fraternity or something yeah. you know I mean? yeah. but it was that and then after back of that it's the same kind of linked I did a, um, a project, anti-racist project with the NHS, yeah. and that's kind of um, bringing anti, because it's kind of trend, you know, it's anti-racism stuff, yeah. they're on trend now, yeah. so they asked me to kind of creatively bring their message alive, Yeah. which was interesting, I enjoyed that, so I did a few spoken word pieces for them. Yeah. Um, the mental health one, sorry, the mental health projects and the rest, that's something close to my heart because yeah. there are, we've all, as men, we've all experienced strain mental, do you know what I mean? Mm. People close to me and people directly outside of the circle have been experiencing mental health. Yeah. People that I know who have actually taken their lives off the bottom of like poor mental health, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, it's just, I just feel like the men, it's not a sympathy thing, but men need kind of to be advocated for as well because the society that we're in kind of shuns the care for men's mental health and their emotional um, and mental well-being. Do you know what I mean? Massively. So it's um, that one. Uh, I wrote a specific piece just simply because I found myself in dark places as a man as well. Yeah. And. Um, just it's easier to understand when you've been in the places yourself yeah you know what i mean yeah so i have a lot more understanding and compassion towards the, the mental health of men so um i've been kind of off the back of an event that i was at recently the organization birmingham mind yeah they um they were involved in that event so i had a few conversations with a few people and 
that we are actually in talks and discussions about um, collaborations. Yeah. A collaboration that has two directions, but the one that is speaking loudest to me is the one um, dealing with the men's mental health. Yeah. Kind of in talks, um, seeing how creatively we can, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Integrate some of the, um, the creativity with yeah. the people that they have in their in their system as such yeah um, it's exciting we haven't quite cemented anything yet that's why i'm trying to not talk too much yeah we haven't quite cemented it but we are in active talks and discussions and meetings and about how we can bring spoken word and creativity yeah. and video and the rest to um, to their services so i'm excited about that that's new year coming i think that's important you know because you know what damn man the more we talk about it the more we really normalize it because it's not it's this thing where with men we don't like talking about things especially when we're struggling mentally and there's nothing wrong with it ego, bro. we don't do it because it's ego yeah you know what I mean? yeah we don't want to look weak we don't want to look like the lesser we don't want to look like the loser do you know what i mean mm. or someone that can't manage things but there's nothing there's strength in saying how it how it really is people appreciate the authenticity of you saying how it is yeah i mean show up as yourself not as the mask that you're wearing you know what i mean yeah yeah there's no there's no there's no gain in wearing the mask you know what i mean like me i'll, I'll come to people with my authentic self so yeah. if i'm not up you you'll probably know but i don't mind telling you yeah but i know that it's not easy for everybody to do that mm. stigma you know what i mean i know that we can't really do that but i'm glad and i'm grateful been able to vocalize and express myself how I'm feeling, even if it's not the clearest, yeah, or discombobulated speech or text. But I'm trying, you know what I mean? Because yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna drown with yeah. what's going on up here, yeah. And to be fair, as well, I mean, before we go on to the pieces, what is that creative process like for you? Because you know, with the pieces that you you put out I know there can't be just things that you you know you're just putting it out there has to be a create yes. I feel that there's a creative process because they're really deep this is a mad one you know the creative process is quite um, sometimes it's beyond me I mean when I when I do the poetry I do when I, when I do the poetry for corporate organisations that is me the creative process would be me putting myself me becoming the organization yeah you know i mean so like uh if i want to advertise myself what is it that i'm trying to say about myself if i'm the organization okay yeah you know what i'm trying to say yeah, so yeah. it's like um it's like ghostwriting if i'm if i'm say i'm gonna write for dr dre or jay-z or something like that i'd have to imagine myself i embody okay you know yeah. I, mean? I have to yeah. embody who i think dr dre is and yeah. then speak from his perspective not my perspective do you know what I mean so yeah. that's how I do it but in, in regards to me writing the pieces like for instance the ones I'm going to do um, read and perform for today the creative process would be um, it's all about where I am mentally where I'm doing it or how I'm feeling emotionally when I'm writing it yeah. for it to actually manifest or whatever not usually it's between the hours of 2 and 3 in the morning okay yeah. And usually I'll, um, if I'm not writing it, it's rare that I'm actually writing with a pen. I'm in my phone, in my notes. Yeah. And I swear to God, it sounds a bit, a 
bit funny or whatnot, but I let my thumb go. Okay. Go. You know, like that, that thing in the Adams family, the hand, is it called thing? I, yeah. I think, I don't know. Thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, my hand just does that. It's all, it sounds like a mad thing. And then it's just like my thumb is just doing its thing. And I was like, what's going on? Sometimes I'm like, I'm conscious of what's going on. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like directly, yeah. But sometimes with my form, it's just doing what, and I was like, this ain't me. Like, yeah. this ain't me, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know it probably sounds a bit weird, but those who know, know. Yeah. I just embrace it, so. Uh, yeah. A lot of, that's why a lot of the time when I go back and read the stuff, I'm reading it like, who wrote this? Because I okay. didn't write this, bro. I'm yeah. reading it and I was like, unless I'm probably, um, trying to be too humble or whatever. Now, this doesn't even sound like me. You know what I mean? I know it came from somewhere. A lot of the time I, I say, I just feel like I'm a vessel and I can't do it for messages that, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sometimes I don't think it's me, even though it feels like it's coming from here. Some of the times I don't think it's me. Yeah. So, And it's important that you said in terms of um, I'm a vessel, because that's what we are, you know. That is what we are and we have to ensure that the messages that we put out there are positive. And that, that, that comes with growth. Yeah. That definitely comes with growth. I mean, we've recently um, lost, you know, a dub poet, Benjamin Zephaniah. What influence did he have on you? Because you're kind of like down that same poetry you know, spoken words, it's the same kind of like category. This is the interesting one as well, because when I started doing poetry and even to this day, I've made it, I think I said it last time I was on your show, I've, I made it my point to not look at what anybody's doing because I don't want to be subconsciously or consciously influenced by what I see, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want anybody else to kind of, I don't want to imitate or mimic anybody, even yeah. if it's out of respect, I just don't want to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I purposely didn't really, really check people out. But when I started writing, I always used to hear about what people used to suggest Benjamin Zephaniah. And I was like, who's this guy? You know what I mean? So in the early, early days, I did a bit of research and I was like, yo, I dig this guy, you know, because he's from the ends, he's from Hansel, where yeah. they're coming from, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's a Russ, so I'm looking at him and I'm like, yo, he could easily be one of my uncles. You yeah. know what I mean? yeah. So um, there's, I could look at him and see that like, there's a humble kind of, there's a humble humility that yeah. I can see when I look at him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not trying to say anybody's an angel because nobody's an angel. I'm not. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I can see that this man has a good heart. Yeah. I mean, and I can see that he's for the people and such. So yeah. I admired that. And then when I look at his, his literary works or just the fact that he's not just a poet, he was a playwright, he was a political activist, a humanitarian, you know what I mean? And, a novelist, yeah, family man, you know what I mean? Yeah. There was, I was like, you know what, this is, I could aspire to be like this man. Yeah. When I actually then um, investigated, like, his works and tried to look into what he's doing, I saw a lot of similarities in the topics and the type of poems. Yeah. Politically, um, the deep poems, do you get what I mean? And I'm, yeah. I didn't realise that as much as I don't want to be like anybody, I can see me in him so that's yeah. why I'd have to kind of credit him and salute him and say he's the father to my craft yeah. you know what I mean because if you look at him it, I feel like what's the word a student I'm a student in, in his class 
yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So um, if I could take my craft to even a fraction of the way he did it, he's legendary stay at a studio. Yeah. If I could take my craft even to a fraction of that, I'd be grateful. Yeah. Um, I've got nothing but maximum respect for Benjamin Zephaniah. And one thing I'd say is it was one of my aspirations as a poet and spoken with eyes to actually meet him just because I know that he's he's accessible. Yeah. You get what I mean? And uh, I never actually did get a chance to meet him. But the irony about it is I have a semi-relationship with his brother. Oh, I okay. I did not know that this man was his brother until late. Yeah. Look at that. I was like, Benjamin Zephaniah. I know Benjamin Zephaniah's brother. Yeah. But what stopped me from actually, I didn't want to pressure his brother to be like, yo, can you? Yeah, I yeah. Like, yeah. Initially, I don't want to be a group yes. video. I mean, so yeah. disrespectfully, I know his brother. I don't have to necessarily know him. But yeah is in the kind of radius, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. a shame that he, um, the Most High had other plans for him, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And he transitions. It's that humbleness, right, and humility that you've uh, mentioned. Because if I, before we started this episode, right, even when we was talking before today, I, I do a lot of reflection, mm. right? And I said to myself, I'm gonna sit down and reflect on um, Dan Man's journey. And it's funny that you just said that, you know, that humbleness and, you know, humility as well, because I've noticed, right, a a change, right? When you started doing the um, spoken word, I did see a growth, right? But I saw that humbleness now coming out. It was always there because you've always been a humble person, but I saw the humbleness coming out. And I think it's because now you found, right, your lane, lane, right, that's not only helping you mentally and spiritually, but you know, in life, right, when we find, when we find our lane, we're humble, right, and we're at peace now. And that's why when you were saying that you're comfortable in your own skin, yeah. you're comfortable with your vulnerabilities, you're comfortable with everything now, right? And it doesn't matter what people think or how it looks because I'm comfortable. I think it's because you've you've actually found your lane. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, you know what? It's mad that when you, when you present it back to me, it makes so much sense. I probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have just said that, what you've just said, but hearing it back to me, I'm like, it does make sense. It's like... I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm comfortable yeah. with not knowing. I'm comfortable with looking silly or being insecure. Or, you know what I mean? I'm comfortable yeah. with it because I know it's not. I know a lot of it is just here. Yeah, yeah. I love and know who I am here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All them extra things, them voices that we hear, that's just a byproduct of being in society. Do you know what I mean? We're always going to hear stuff and we're always going to flip flop and relapse. Mm. But ultimately, tunnel vision i know who i am now more than yeah. ever do you know what i mean so yeah comes with that. and you're gonna perform right three pieces okay. today right and the first the first one right that i want to talk about mm-hmm. just digging deep because black anxiety mm-hmm. i shared that with a few colleagues and i think i told you as well the feedback that i got mm-hmm. it blew them away that did where why why did you decide to where did that one come from i can't take full credit for black anxiety i have to give credit to 
um, Nikita. I think she's she's she, she's a mental health PhD. She's probably she's a professional. I don't really want a smaller bit thing because I don't know the the right titles to attach to her name, but she's big in the mental health. Uh, okay. So she's finished the PhD. I'm hoping she's finished the PhD. Yeah. And um, I think she was a part of the cultural connection as well. That was kind of. Um, I'm sure they had a podcast and they were a community-based organization helping within the community. The young yeah. People. Anyways, um, she was talking online about mental health, and she mentioned. As black people in the black community, we all suffer from mental. Well, a lot of us can suffer from mental health, but there's another. There's another thing that we suffer from that only we, as black people, understand. Yeah. That's black anxiety. Yeah. So I chimed in on the conversation because it was interesting, and I was like, "Yeah, this makes sense." And then examples of black anxiety would be, you know, like if as we are expressionate people, we talk with our hands and we talk loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we do that outside of our cultural setting. Where it looks like there's some kind of violence about to kick off, or yeah. if we're in a workplace, being workplaces, and ladies want to rock their natural hair and their afro or whatever, not, or their locks or whatever it is that's cultural, but it's kind of deemed a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So all these little small nuances and all these little micro, is it micro racism or whatever they're called, all these little, whatever they're called, sorry, but all of these um, little incidences that lead up to um, us experiencing another level of mental health, yeah. another level of anxiety, yeah. dealing with the anxieties that we have to face living in this society. So yeah. basically, we've all, without being long-winded, it's just the extra anxieties that we face as black people dealing with the everyday issues that we have to deal with in this country. Yeah. Society. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got another piece that you're going to perform today, right? The um, mentally how... That one came from yeah okay mental health um at first i called it mental health but it didn't sound right there was no ring to it yeah then i thought mental health so it was a, a play on the the word health and it's a poem that touches on a man's perspective of dealing with mental health sorry mental ment- is mental health sorry but a lot of the time men are in mental they experience mental health yeah. because everybody looks at, everybody says, oh, they want the man to express himself, but when he does, oh, don't do it like that, or you're too emotional with it, or this is too much of it, you can't handle it, or do you know what yeah. I mean? Or, then you just become the object of ridicule. Yeah. So now, like, is it even safe for a man to express how he feels? Mm. And then in the end of the poem, well, I'm not really going to spoil it, but people will always say, Basically, you would joke people, would you be the ridicule of people's jokes until something serious happens? Yeah. You know I mean, when something serious happens, everybody's saying, oh, well, we could have helped or we should have done this or we could have done that. That always you know happens. I mean? Yeah. So um, it's just showing a man's perspective of going through mental health and how society kind of treats him. Yeah. So that's that without being as long winded, sorry. Yeah. And then the final one that you're performing mm-hmm. is a touching one. The final one is a touching one, but I'll let you talk about that one in terms of what it felt like penning that, not only penning it, but hearing it back. Okay, the last one, the last one is called Floating. 
it was a it was a play on words because it was spelled floating f-l-o-a-t-i-n-g like float literally floating yeah. but then when i listen to it i'm not floating i'm floating but i'm flowing over the beat as well you yeah know what i mean so even though it was originally penned as a poem i was just in major studio one time and he played the song and i was like Shh, this this bit this is fitting but it's taking it away from it being a poem because it sounds like almost like a rap yeah but in my head i was like i don't really care how it's received in my head it's still a poem i'm just wanna bless this beat do you know what i mean yeah but um how that one actually came about is that one initially was a dedication to my auntie that passed away i'm sure is it the, te- is it the temp today it's the temp today temp today I imagine six or seven years ago today is the day that we buried my mom's twin sister is it yes wow so, and it's just mad how i actually realized that when we um, on the way here and i was like wow you know what i mean so it's it's, it's it's eerie but it's beautiful yeah. do you know what i mean yeah so because that lady there my mom twin sister she was like my second mom as you can probably obviously yeah imagine you know what i mean so it's mad when she passed away it's it's it's, it's mad because my mom was really, really, really grieving her twin sister and still does to this day. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. But it's, I wrote that because I felt like I had to kind of tone my grief down a bit. Yeah. Because my mom was really grieving. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's hard to kind of grieve and support. Yeah. So I had to kind of suppress how my feelings and the rest, but I was able to, but it's driving me crazy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, um, at the same time, I'm trying to be strong for my mum, but because I know that writing is my outlet, that was it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. Probably two, three o'clock in the morning again. It, it just came out, and um, I'm not gonna lie. When I wrote it, it upset me, man. That it was like it was a release. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I possibly would have shed a tear. I'm not ashamed to say that. Yeah, I probably would have cried writing it. But um, at the same time. I was happy writing it as well because it's yeah. not all doom and gloom, do you know what I mean? So yeah. it was kind of me being able to speak to my auntie and just acknowledge, I mean, the whole of it isn't about her, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The whole of the poem isn't about her, but it's based off that time. Yeah. I created a video for it. My daughter was in the video at the time, so... Yeah, it was just a... It's a heartfelt dedication to my auntie, but then what makes it even more special is the beats under it is produced by Major, the late, great Major. Yes. Productions, you get what yeah. I mean? I have to give respect to Major every single time every time to give what I mean yeah yeah respect to vomit productions major every single time and um, it's even more special now because he isn't here and he's greatly missed you know what I mean so it's yeah. like it's, it's a double it's a double dedication yeah but when I recorded it to my auntie majors um famous line that he used to say when he was feeding your tracks is go on with that yeah. you know I mean yeah he wouldn't say much but he would always say go on with that do you know what I mean so yeah. he turned around Went around in his chair like an evil villain, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He gave me a friend and he said, go on with that, do you know what I mean? Which made me know this is it, do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because if he wasn't feeling it, no disrespect to you, but if he wasn't feeling it, there's no go on with that or nothing. It's just <laughs> yeah. bouncing your track and that's it, you know what I mean? Some yeah. of these conversations going to happen. So it was, um, it's a double dedication. Yeah. That's what it means so much. Yeah. And it's one of my many poems, I was saying this to you earlier on, yeah. When I write my poems, I, I don't remember them. Yeah. It's really difficult for me to remember them. But this one, it sticks. Yeah. It's ingrained. It doesn't. I know it 
with yeah. the word, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm actually proud because it, because the poems that I write normally are, they exceed three minutes. It's hard to memorize that, bro. Yeah. It's really hard, but I mean, how hard is it if I know somebody else's bars and somebody else's lyrics for their song, but I don't know my own, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Just how it is, bro. But I know this one. Yeah. That's why um, the first two that I'm going to perform, it's me reading. Yeah. The second one, I'll give you as I know it. Yeah. Over the beat. And you know what, damn man, we're honoured to have you on this platform because from conversations, mm. right, I know that it's not something that you always do. It's not something you always do. And I like the fact that you said, you know what? It's not something that I always do, but for you, for you we're going to make this happen. You family, man, of course. Yeah. You lot are like foundation. So yeah. anything you guys ask me to do, I say yeah. it now. I've said it before. I'm there, just let me know. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's foundation because when it was Esquad days, for a long time, you lot was the only ones who was really, really repping it. Yeah. And without you lot, the streets, the end, the airways wouldn't have heard us if it wasn't for, for you lot. So that's why we're indebted to you lot for those days because, yeah man, we were a team, whatever you get what I mean. It was, do you know what? <laughs> I, oh, I still right, remember clearly when I got that CD, mm-hmm. right? I remember clearly that man, I was parked up right by Winston Green Prison, across the road from Winston Green Prison. And uh, Meeks called me. He said, where are you? I said, I'm by Winston Green Prison. These times I was working, I was doing parcel delivery and he pulled up across the road <laughs> where um, Winston Green Community Centre and he ran across the road. I remember it like, like it's now. He ran across the road. He says, here's the CD, right? Listen to it, tell me what you think. I said, cool. I pull it in the van and the rest was history. As soon as I heard that, it was on the radio and it was on rotation. Yes, it was so heavy we, rotation. Look, heavy. right, we was getting... Yes, I know, bro. We was getting badgered. How come you just playing Esquad? Can't you play no one else? Like, people was giving us their CDs and that, right? And it was like, Esquad's on every single show, every single rotation. It's like, you know what? I can't help it, man. It's fire still. Now yeah. we respect it, we respect it. But at the same time, it would have been pressure because it wasn't, when you got tracks from us, it wasn't one track. You're getting tracks from Fourth, you're getting tracks from Meeks, from, from Ones, you know what I mean, from yeah. C4, from Euro. Yeah. And you may get a track from me, but it doesn't matter, you're inundated with tracks from them. Yeah, yeah. It, it will probably seem like favoritism or whatever now, but we respect the way that you rep for us, bro. Yeah, it was, it was a good time, man. I enjoyed those days. I still gonna I said it on the last part anyway, so I'm, I'm gonna say it again. We're looking for an Esquad reunion, even if it's just one album, one, 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 or even an EP. We're looking for something, something. I never say never, you know. I'm up for anything, and because we've all grown and we've all done experienced different things, I feel like I feel like we could do it. Yeah. But I mean, it's just getting everybody on the same time. Yeah. You know I mean, and that's it, life in it. So we're not all on the same time, but as we could all get on the same time, it would be it would be nostalgic. The only thing that is, is major is not there, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the only thing. Yeah. But I still think, I mean, we're all old guys now, you know what I mean? We're, well, old guys, you know what I mean? So we'd be like, the rest of them would be like, I'll oh, leave that rapping thing to the younger generation now, like my nephew and that generation, you know what I mean? But for nostalgic purposes, I'm with you, bro. I'm gonna still, I'm gonna keep asking. Every time I see you guys, I'm, I'm gonna keep asking. 
until you get fed up of me. But yeah, <laughs> listen, that man, we're gonna let you um, get yourself ready and perform your pieces. Thanks for coming up. Bless up, brother. Bless. <laughs>